0: This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash tonic. And they can also be used to make more complex cocktails and you'll find those in the SeedLip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at SeedLip underscore NA. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or dot CA and use the promo code This tree 10 for 10% off your favorite non alcoholic spirit. They're available in Canada and in the US and now at LCBO stores across Ontario. And again that is seedlipdrinks.com dot and this tree 10. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this family tree podcast episode 161
1: 161. That's a big number. The big episode. <laughs> yes, it's a big episode. We're flowing.
0: We have Tessa Stuckey on. She is an author and a therapist. And I'm telling you, I had a list of like 50 things to ask Tessa based on her expertise, but we stuck on one topic because it was so fascinating and she is so well-versed.
1: Hot husbands?
0: Uh, Not today, but uh, tech and Mm. social media and the effects on kids and teenagers in particular and what to do if you're a parent and you start to notice your kid is, you know, becoming more isolated, becoming more reliant on tech doesn't have friends, victim fishing. I picked up all these mm. phrases, but it's really fascinating. She's full of information and just great to talk to. So hope you guys enjoy this. But Shane, before we get into it, cheers, baby. We got for non-alcoholic seed lip cocktail tonight, seed lip and soda. Garden one, a weight and soda. Nice and refreshing. <coughs>
1: Disgusting. <laughs> Disgustingly refreshing. <laughs> this is very tasty. Thank you.
0: It is. I just got off the Peloton an hour ago, too, but I'm still, like, kind of not feeling great from it and still hot and tired, so it is refreshing. Well, thank goodness
1: it's not a Peloton ad. (laughs) Just got off the Peloton, and I feel terrible. Usually, the endorphins are flowing once you get off that thing, but... Not with Alex, it's, it's it's a depression machine.
0: You know, it's been, it's been a hard day. I started the day off, go outside, put Betty in the car, and I go to take, you know, a couple power steps. I'm going to start this day off well. And my first power step, just my foot hit the ground and it was covered in black ice and then it just kept moving, went out from under me, and then I started to fall. And the first hit that my head took was on the bumper of the car. The douche which then softened the fall for when i hit my head on the ice and uh yeah i don't feel great
1: yeah well it was interesting because the whole driveway was dry for the most part not icy no ice at ever whatsoever but the patch you stepped in was the only patch of ice and then you texted i think maybe you felt silly for stepping on that one i called you immediately no but you texted the family in the text (laughs) chain watch out lots of black ice out there today and they're like okay because there's clearly no (laughs) like today's a warm day there's not a lot of ice
0: it warmed up at 7 30 in the morning it was freezing and there was black ice and when i took betty to daycare i knew about the black ice so i was walking very carefully and i saw some other parents a slipping. Same without the school I worked at today. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I take it back. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: But uh yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a hard little go.
1: It's been it's been a bit of a hard <laughs> go.
0: And uh a, a lot of people have been asking me about PMDD. I'm not diagnosed. This is what I'm assuming it is based on me researching symptoms. But I do need to see a doctor. Shane, I mean, he's been amazing this whole time. Shane, do I need to see a doctor?
1: I don't know. But Alex, could you contextualize PMDD for people who might not know the shorthand?
0: I'm going. I'm going to. So this is kind of like a depressive episode that I've fallen into, fell into. I'm feeling better now, but. It's similar to PMS. It's called, and I got to look this up again because I keep forgetting, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So it's like PMS, but more severe, essentially. So
1: would you say if, like, you know how I say you don't get periods, you get exclamation points? (laughs) Yeah. It's like the exclamation point of PMS.
0: Yeah, it's like when, you know, when somebody overuses exclamation points and they'll put like five at the end of a sentence. It's like that. Yes. So I was looking it up and there are there's 11 markers. I'm going to fly through them. They're short. Hit me. Okay. So it also appears like usually 10 days or so before your period and lasts until your period comes or a couple days in.
1: So wait, this is like half the month you have to go through this or (laughs) we have to go
0: through this? I have been. Haven't you, like, it's been, like, a like a week every single time. One week. <laughs> Shade, I love uh, the musical cues and the sound effects today. Yeah, keep, I'm, a keep sound, them coming. I'm a soundboard. All right, so some symptoms, like the markers of PMDD, anger or irritability. But this goes, like, beyond PMS, anger and irritability, where it's very severe, like rage. Uh, feeling on edge, overwhelmed, tense, anxiety, panic attacks attacks, depression and suicidal thoughts, difficulty concentrating, fatigue, food cravings, binge eating or changes in appetite, headaches, insomnia, and mood swings.
1: Is it possible that I have PMDB?
0: What I was going to say is that, yeah, those symptoms, the way that they're written there, I feel like anybody could read them and be like, "Ooh, I got that. But where you need to have a doctor come in it's like hey can you look at that list and say you have these things book it in with your doctor and then you'll talk about the severity of them and the difference between just regular pms whatever shane has or pmdd think
1: i have adhd yes and and some of those symptoms that you listed crossover
0: is, is is adhd a mood disorder as well
1: It's the biggest thing that it is, the biggest flag, and a lot of people just think it means you're kind of like a squirrel, you get distracted easy, would be it's a dopamine deficiency disorder. It is? Yeah, so you feel, it it takes a lot for you to get excited, so often you do things that try to increase your dopamine often, like video games, anything that can activate your brain, sugar, cravings, things all exciting short-term things to keep you up and happy Mm -hmm. and obviously your attention span is shot and um you know executive functions all messed up you know you know intellectually how to do things but you can't actually do them Mm -hmm. so it's like a it's a performance issue too because a lot of times i can seem unintelligent with things even though i know how to do them it's Mm -hmm. really strange it's Weird. It's like being trapped in your own mind to some extent.
0: Yeah, okay. okay. I get that to the extent of PMDD where it's like feeling trapped in in my own mind. You said you can look at things rationally, you know how to do them, but then you can't have that translate. With what I've been going through for the last six months or whatever, it's like I'll know that I should not be this upset. I know that, oh my goodness, it was literally spilled milk. Don't get upset about it. But then I'll be sitting there thinking, what's the point of even going on? Like really deep and dark and severe. And it's very scary. And it's like, I can step outside of that. And I know that it's not a big deal. But then you're trapped. It's that same Mm -hmm. feeling of being trapped. It's so weird because I've never really had that. And like, I get it because I kind of used to think, oh, just like go for a walk or whatever. You know, you'll feel better. And those things do help. I do feel Mm -hmm. better when I go for a walk. But... It's so much, uh, it's so much more intense than that.
1: Yeah. See, when I am trapped in my own body, it's like more of a paralysis. It's Mm -hmm. less of a crippling depression. Why can't I go on? And more of uh, I simply can't. I'm stuck between too many things that I need to do. And I'm just like a deer in headlights and cannot move forward. So yours seems a little more scary. ADHD is more just like constant torture.
0: <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> okay, so
1: like light torture.
0: Yeah, that's that sounds awful. And honestly, just the feeling of being trapped like that, to think about going through that every day, even if it's to a lesser extent, doesn't matter. It's just that's an awful feeling. We both need to get checked out, babe. We need a yeah, whole team for the two of us. It's hard.
1: There's medication to help, but I'm not good with medication. So I think you'd have better luck if you went to get help. Because yeah. side effects I don't think would mess you up as bad as they mess me up.
0: Well, the, people were telling me like microdosing Zoloft, basically. So hmm. I get a prescription for Zoloft microdose. What does Zoloft
1: traditionally do? Is that like a an depression, antidepressant? I think? Okay.
0: Um, shows how much I know and like how far out of this field I am, right? Which it's also You don't even know
1: Zoloft.
0: <laughs> I think shows how
1: much I know. <laughs>
0: hey, I saw a meme the other day and it was about Zoloft and the girl's nail color and it making her happy. So I must I don't know. People know it. I don't know it. And this just shows how bad I am with this stuff. And like, I don't have tools. I suck at this, which is definitely why I need to see a doctor. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It seems to be a little tricky to get in on these doctor's appointments and get diagnosed with anything outside of (laughs) one of the bigs. Like, I feel like if you have cancer, you can get diagnosed. Everything else... It's just hocus
0: pocus. 100%. Like Shane's going through that right now. And people are telling him like, you know, eight months to a year for an appointment. And it's just, it's madness.
1: I'm in, I don't want to say terrible pain. I'm in that type of pain that is so constant and aggravating over a sustained period of time. It can drive you uh, insane. Mm -hmm. So I have like an umbilical hernia and it's starting to... I'm always aware of its existence, and it wasn't always like that. It was just a bit of an annoyance for me like two years ago. But it's – I'm touching it all the time. And it's – you know when you hit your funny bone, it's not pain, mm-hmm. but it's just so uncomfortable. I'm at that phase where I'm uncomfortable almost the entire day.
0: I'm shocked to hear that you're touching it because Shane has – what is it? I'm ornithal- no,
1: I'm, I'm – Inadvertently touching it. Don't think I'm sticking my fingers down there and like, ooh, my belly button's popping out. I could never touch my Shane, belly. button.
0: What's your phobia called?
1: It's something like Orn- um, umbilical phobia, Orn- but a- way hard to say. You yeah, want to look it up?
0: Yeah, Shane has a, ph- a phobia, like an an actual fear of belly buttons, shared by what? Chloe? Chloe Kardashian?
1: Uh your yeah, your brother's ex girlfriend had it. Oh yeah, she um, did. But.
0: Mm. Omphalophobia. Um,
1: See, yeah, uh, it's tricky to say, and it's you know, I'm just so grossed out by them. I'm disgusted by them, and I, th- the th- I, I can't look at them. <laughs> like I, I was trying to watch a hernia surgery, and I have a high tolerance, as you know, for yeah. witnessing you know crazy acts of like I'll I'll watch a if a car accident video is released, I'll I'll watch it just because I have like a morbid curiosity but I cannot watch someone touching a belly button
0: <laughs> What if it was not a surgery just a video of somebody I don't like standing it there.
1: I don't like it yeah you tried to take a picture of my belly button and that was very hard for me to do
0: yes but I did because <sighs> I had to show the doctors yeah. so we have that and I've also been showing everybody else like all of our parents and whatnot
1: yeah okay but the start the whole point of this conversation <laughs> is to say all I wanted to get was a a hernia procedure Mm because it's getting to that point where i'm maybe i'm not like strangulation is when all your intestines can get wrapped up because that's what a hernia is it's your intestines pushing out and poking out at a weaker part of your stomach and it's disgusting but strangulation can happen and that's where you know the intestines get constricted and then you have constipation and trouble and it could get to the point where you you know die but I don't think I'm, I'm probably years away from death of that <laughs> happening. But I, it, when it does start to get uncomfortable is when it's a risk mm-hmm. to get it checked out. I try to book an appointment it's eight eight months away to get like a consultation. Yeah. And then the surgery and and the woman's telling me on the phone who I'm trying to get the referral oh, I don't know about this. Like they put a mesh inside you, your body might reject it. Yeah, there's complications that can get infected. I wouldn't recommend it.
0: This is the receptionist too, yeah, by the Yeah, on way. the
1: phone. So I look it up thinking, oh, what kind of receptionist is giving me this advice? But the advice is fairly sound and these meshes, they they are problematic. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of in a position where I'm just so frustrated and it feels like what's the point? And just have this uncomfortable sensation for the rest of my life and be trapped in my body, which is my biggest fear to grow old and uncomfortable and not be able to work out and just get big because I have to get big and then be trapped in my body. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So. I think because obviously like we don't want Shane in this position. So we're looking at like, I don't know, semi-private and private places to get it fixed where we can get it fixed sooner. Just because like it's eating away at you, obviously. Yeah.
1: And I just found out I can't go to a bachelor party. Yeah. To I was supposed to go to Boston with my buddies. Can't go. Put that money into a hernia, hook me up, change my life. (laughs) I don't need to go drinking with bros. I need to.
0: The first thing Shane said, it was really funny because we found out we have a family trip and the family trip is on the bachelor party weekend. And we didn't have a say in when this family trip would be. And uh, first thing Shane said, he texts me and goes, well, more money for the hernia surgery. And I was like, well, it's thinking positive.
1: Alex, you went to get your nails done once. It was $280. Okay. I tell you I need a hernia surgery. You're like, how much is that going to cost?
0: They scammed oh. me. Okay. Shame.
1: We're we're getting, um. speaking of scams, we got the house like checked out for a $400, <laughs> what, fungal exam for the house. What was that called again? The mold. Mold. And then they wanted to do it for $5,000. you are willing to pay for that, for the for the kids' health. For
0: the kids' What about health my shame. health? What about me? Well, look. You I don't think, care. I think yes, I do care. And well, because I, think... I
1: cried to you and said you don't care, and you were like, <laughs> "Okay, well, let's chat about this."
0: <laughs> Sometimes that's what it takes, babe. You just really got to throw it on the table.
1: Well, it's what's a thousand or two thousand bucks in the grand scheme of okay, things. I'm not dying you know with that money. I might die without it, though.
0: I think that that is a perfect, perfectly reasonable amount of money in for a hernia surgery. But in my brain, I was like, oh, it's gonna be like mega bucks.
1: You don't know mega bucks. You wouldn't know mega bucks if they smacked you in the face. You
0: don't think 10 would be mega bucks?
1: Maybe. But if it's <laughs> you don't think if you wanted something crazy, yeah. you don't think I'd work and come up with a plan to get you there?
0: BBL Shane, let's do it.
1: I don't care what you want.
0: <laughs> um, but Shane, so we have this you know impending i mean we're hitting up all these now you know semi-private and venues and whatever to try to find out good if enough we can for jack get...
1: layton good enough for me jack yes. layton stayed at this place
0: yeah this place being a hotel hospital north of toronto that only does hernia surgeries and they're like apparently the best in the world Yeah, and the
1: infection rate is very little Yes. And they, they put you up there for three days. You live like a king. The menu's extravagant, and opulent, and tasty. And- I was
0: looking at their menu this week. It was like coconut chicken curry and all these things. It looked beautiful.
1: It is the mom fantasy of getting having a very minor accident and being holed up in a hospital. For yes,
0: it. you guys have heard. This. I I've wa- like I want my tonsils out, and then they just have to keep me in the hospital for three nights just to monitor, even though I'm feeling fine. But that's like in a public hospital, Shane. Where we're trying to get him into right now, it's like this luxurious mansion on like twenty acres of beautifully kept grounds. It's like, oh, okay, that, that
1: movie. What movie? That was what youth.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Or like in James Bond or Emily in Paris, they go and visit some old guy in the hospital and it's like this vibe. It's gorgeous. Anyway, I think Shane's going to go there to get the hernia surgery. Hopefully we'll get a consultation. We'll see what's up. But I mean, this still might be months away. So in the meantime, we need to do things to like ground ourselves and start feeling good. So Shane, I'm getting us an appointment this weekend at a place called Othership in Toronto.
1: Do you know what I'm getting? What? A Game Boy for me to play (laughs) for my three days vacation. (laughs) Can I buy a Game Boy?
0: Yeah. Thank you. You're going to have the most relaxing time. Can you send emails? Can I give you work to do while you're there?
1: I think they don't really like the outside <laughs> world interfering with my recovery.
0: <laughs> no, they have a list of hospital of um sorry B and B's that family can stay at while you're getting your thing.
1: Oh, you're gonna stay close? No, oh. it's
0: an hour away. It is close, you know. Okay, um, yeah,
1: just let me be.
0: <laughs> I'm jealous. I want hernia surgery here. Can I force a hernia just to get three nights at this place? Well,
1: two percent of women do get umbilical hernias. From okay, pregnancy. my
0: um. I have a bit of a what do you call it again? I Barbell? forget. No, the abdominal Scar. separation that women get. Yeah. I got abdominal that separation, bit. yeah. Uh anyway, Shane, we're going to go to this place called Other Ship. So, I want your take because we can either do a free flow or one of their classes. So, this place, it's like what they call a bathhouse. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, but it's all cold plunge and then hot stuff. So like you do all the stuff in the saunas, and then you do cold plunges, and then you do all this stuff with your body to bring it to different extremes, I guess. So we could do the free flow, which is just you and I.
1: Stop saying free flow without <laughs> giving any context.
0: Okay, that's the one class. So this class, you don't follow like a pattern. You just kind of get to go in the plunge and the saunas as you will and do your own thing. And then they say, make use of our um, essential massage oils. So like what we we massage each other in the saunas and then cold plunge. It sounds kind of sexy to be honest. But so that's the free flow, 75 minutes of just hanging out. Then they have this class that's got openings right now for Saturday. It's called guided down, letting in and letting go. We'll use the hot and cold to consciously throw ourselves into natural environmental stressors to recalibrate towards the loving, receptive, restful, easeful, and positive state of the parasympathetic. All that's required is your presence. Expect modalities such as meditation, gentle stretching, breath work, and somatic body-based awareness. And then some other classes are like you and your partner just staring into each other's eyes really deeply and like doing breathing techniques. Hmm. So what do you think? Do you think you would take a class like that seriously? Or do you think it would be too hard to do? I, I, Part of me thinks we could because I think you and I could throw ourselves into anything. But another part of me, it just depends on the day. I feel like we'd just be in there like giggling like little schoolgirls.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, sure, I'll, I'll be fine.
0: So I'm going to see which one has availability and then uh, I'm putting this in a one. But I'm really excited for it. And I'm hoping things like that like, can help us out because we're both going through these weird phases where I think we need outside help. So early bedtimes and mm-hmm. nighttime workouts. We're going to do like a yoga sesh after this. In the living room. Very cool. And with that, we are going to get to our interview with Tessa Stuckey.
1: But before we get to that, let's let everyone know who we are supported by.
0: We are supported by Mini Miosh, a premium, organic, ethically made and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto.
1: Kids and babies? What about women?
0: Would They now have a women's collection, Shane, called M and West. And these clothes, I mean, you see me wearing, I'm wearing them right now. It's all simple, French terry, ethical and sustainable. The same, like, quality and coziness that you were jealous of when your kids were wearing mini miosh. And you're like, why don't they have any clothes for adults? Yeah, why
1: don't they have any clothes for men? Wait, they don't.
0: (laughs) They have a toque.
1: Uh, They have a toque. It's it's unisex, but yes, I'll say it's for men.
0: (laughs) Mini Miosch believes in quality over quantity, and they make the best basics that you can get your hands on for your littles. I'm talking about fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfy, and timeless and can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low-impact non-toxic dyes.
1: What are you laughing at, Alex?
0: Your face. Oh. You can find the company online at mini or at mini miyash on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you're getting 15% off your order. They're available in Canada and the US and it is only one use per customer for these.
1: Load up.
0: Again, that is mini this and thisfamilytree15. And now let's get to our interview with Tessa. Tessa, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so good. I'm sleepy, but I'm good. And I'm really excited to be talking to you. So yeah. you are a therapist, correct? Yes. Okay. Are you a therapist for parents or for for families in general?
2: That's a good question. So I started off becoming a therapist working just with teenagers um, but I found that I really needed to include mom and dad in a lot of stuff. So I do a lot of family work. I do. I still do a lot of individual with teenagers, but now I do so much family work. And then I also do a lot of parenting for parents that have kids of all ages. So even like the little ones, I'll work
0: with them on things too. So yeah, all of it. It is a an exhausting job being a parent And growing up, like being a teenager is an exhausting and scary and overwhelming experience as well. Mm -hmm. So how do people usually approach you? Like, Is it parents saying, hey, I think my kid and I think my teenager needs to be in therapy or is it are kids allowed to reach out to therapists? I honestly don't even know how that works. Yeah,
2: they are. They don't usually. I mean, it's sometimes I'll get emails from high schoolers. And as long as they have their parents' consent, then it's all good. Um, And they obviously have to fill out the paperwork and sign things and that sort of thing. So it's a little bit of both. So in today's world, there's so much going on that so many teenagers are really struggling with their mental Mm -hmm. health. So there's been a lot of scary symptoms that get brought up in families that they come to me and say, oh my gosh, my daughter is isolating a lot, or she saw something and has started hurting herself, or she said something that really scared us. And we need to talk with you about that so that we can kind of figure it out. So it's a little bit of that. I also do a lot of speaking engagements in my community. And so I will talk about, you know, typical issues that I'm seeing with teenagers, like anxiety management, you know, coping skills, that sort of thing. And then parents will call me and be like, hey, I saw you speak. We need more of that for our family. So it's a little bit of it's different when they come to me each time. But
0: yeah, no, I I imagine it would be. And Tessa, if we can, I want to get on to the social media stuff and the cell phone stuff, because I was looking Mm -hmm. at your page and really going through things. And there were things that I see in students uh, that I kind of saw you mentioning. And it really freaks me out. And I want to get to that. But first, Give me mean the listeners? I don't know. You were meeting for the first time. No. I want to hear a little about who you are, your family, sure. and uh, where you're from. For some reason, I thought you were Canadian as well, but I can tell from your <laughs> voice you are not Canadian. <laughs> no, I'm not. I wonder why you thought that. I have no idea. I was probably funny. just getting my
2: wires crossed. But Oh, how funny. Where do you think I'm from by how I talk? Well, somewhere in the States. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm from Texas. I live in Houston. However, we are about to relocate to Colorado. My husband just got a job there and he's been working there since September. So we're going to be making that move this summer. But um, I have four boys. They're 11, nine, and then I have twins that are seven. I've been a therapist since the twins were three months old. So I finished grad school and then a week after I graduated, found out I was pregnant with twins. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. I had a, a job lined up and everything. And then, you know, I had two toddlers at the time. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to stay home while I'm pregnant and I'll go to work eventually. And so I did. I stayed home with the toddlers and very, very pregnant. Had the twins. And then about three months later, I started working with individuals as a therapist. And I really was taking on... Any client that wanted me, because as therapists, you have to get a certain amount of hours. And um, but I found that the teenagers, more teenage girls were really gravitating towards me and we would have really great sessions. So I started to seek out teenagers for my clients. Um and and there there was this huge slap in my face because I was 27 or 28 at this time. And I was working in my hometown. So these kids were going to the same high school I went to. And it was so it was about 10 years after I graduated. And the things they were coming to me for were all the same issues I remember struggling with as a teenager, right? Pressure, mom getting mad that my grades aren't good, or dad getting upset that I didn't, you know, take the trash out or whatever. Like typical, you know, best friends mad at me, dating issues, all the things that teenagers deal with but their go to answer was very dark and very scary and it was all of my clients and they they just didn't fit in that that traditional or what we would think someone struggling they just didn't fit into that mold anymore it almost seemed as if anyone and everyone could go down this dark path and i just really wanted to figure out like what had Changed in our world in the 10 years since I had been in high school, that this is their go to answer. You know, I would literally ask, you know, what, tell me how you coped with your mom getting mad at you that you didn't empty the dishwasher. And their answers were really dark and really
0: scary. So when you say go to answer, so there's obviously something you're hearing a lot. What is that? Suicide. Like, for, like, as a, as a coping mechanism for like, why didn't you take out the trash?
2: Yeah. So like, I would say, gosh, it, it must've been, you know, upsetting that your mom yelled at you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so tell me, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with those moments when you're feeling that upset and their go-to like without skipping a beat instead of being like, oh, well, sometimes I put loud music on, or sometimes I journal without any of that, they would say, well, I think about hurting myself or killing myself. And it just was like, it flabbergasted me. I was like, okay, clearly there's layers I need to pull back here because we all know someone who is suicidal or has suicidal ideations, it's not just because their mom got mad at them, right? And so I, tr- I peeled back the layers and there really was not like substance abuse, neglect at home, domestic violence. There was no other signs of mental illness other than this one thing, like the thought of, of killing oneself. And it just, it was consuming because it was all my clients. My community was dealing with um, a suicide cluster and it was just, it was really scary all at once. I had read an article about Silicon Valley about 11 students killing themselves. It was just like so much that I was like, okay, I have to figure this out. I have to figure out what's going on in today's world that's affecting our youth, especially really it started from like a selfish place. Like I have a four-year-old, a three-year-old and two little babies at home. Like I got to figure this out so that my kids don't, feel this way at 12, 13 years old. And at the time I was working with 16, 17, 18 year olds. And through the years it's gotten younger and younger and younger, and it just was too scary. So I went on this whole research journey to figure out what was going on. And I figured out some of what was happening with our culture really coming from social media and overuse of screens. Um, and I wrote a book about it and and, that's what I go and speak to parents about and work with parents about all the time. But it really, our, our culture today is so different for our kids. And as parents, we have got to be right there with them, understanding what's going on, because we cannot parent the way our parents parented us in the 80s and 90s. It is very different now.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the reason this kind of really started resonating with me when I was going through your your accounts and the content that you're putting out there is, so re- this past week, there was uh, a suicide in our community, young person, mm-hmm. grade 12. Yeah. and. After the pandemic, it, it's been something that I think I've been noticing more in the last seven, eight years is yeah. visible cutting on yeah. high school age kids, even more so after the pandemic. And I, I remember when I was young, if somebody was self-harming, you didn't really know about it and mm-hmm. they'd make efforts to kind of hide it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they had sleeves, like, all the way up. Yeah. And they were were
2: quiet. They kind of isolated themselves. You know, like, there wasn't as much social
0: interaction with them. Yeah, and what I'm seeing now is uh, kind of jarring to me. And I'm just – I'm an emotional wreck these days anyway. (laughs) But, you know, I'll come across a kid and they have open wounds from – self-harming and vis- yeah. lots of visible scars. And it's right there and I'm looking right at it. And then a million thoughts go through my head like, oh my God, first, oh my God, are you okay? I don't say these things. I'm thinking them, but oh my yeah. God, are you okay? Yeah. Oh my God, this is so jarring to me. Your poor parents, how much they feel? Or, or do they need help? Like what? Right. And then I'm thinking, hold on, like this is so wild that they are so, um, I just putting it out there so where where do you find that this is coming from like obviously social media but how are kids like okay i'm de- you know i'm sad my dad yelled at me cuz i didn't take out the trash my best friend and i are having words about a guy and yeah. i'm going to kill myself like how yeah. does that happen
2: right so i i do blame social media for a lot of things and i have to be careful because i'm so in that zone that People ask me stuff, and I'm like, it's social media, you know. And so I, I it is a lot. Social media has a lot to do with that, but there's other things too. And I think that that one of them is that we are raising our kids, and and again, I do blame social media for this, but we're raising our kids in a very egocentric world where everyone is kind of obsessed with themselves. And you know, if we went back 20 years, and I told you to go to this website, tessa.com and it was just a website just of pictures of me you would probably be like what is with this pic <laughs> like get over yourself you know yeah <laughs> um but that's i mean that's what social media is now that's the world we live in and they they're all living in that so if we're living in an egocentric world then that means that it's really hard to feel important it's hard to feel valued it's hard to feel heard And especially as a teenager, when you've got all those hormones working against you, where you want to feel unique, you want to feel important, you're trying to find your identity. But in this world, it's really, really hard to feel that, that they do a lot of times go to those extremes or they post something, you know, they post pictures of themselves crying on social media Mm -hmm. or venting posts just to kind of get that attention And what I tell parents all the time is attention is natural and it's needed as a human. And it's not always a bad thing. It's what we do to get that attention that can be unhealthy, like cutting or writing a suicide note or something like that. So there's so many layers to this um, that's affecting our kids. And, you know, it doesn't help that there's somewhat of a trend Mm -hmm. of cutting you know and i hate using that word but it is what it is you know it's on the forefront of their mind and because their brain is not fully developed when they're having a hard day and they heard that other people do this or they are scrolling on instagram and see an ad to get help and then that triggers like oh maybe i could go do that Mm -hmm. you know there's a higher chance that they're going to slip into those unhealthy coping skills and when our kids develop coping skills at young ages it stays for a long time and it is really hard to break the unhealthy ones so there's so many things that are playing against our kids and social media is really uh, showcasing all of that to be this exciting fun place to be but it's really damaging it's you know spilling out all these things that are damaging their mental health. So
0: where do we draw the line? Because like I'm thinking about it right now. I'm imagining, so my oldest is four, but like I'm trying to imagine her as older and like posting a crying photo or something. How do I know what the boundary is between just catharsis and getting a little bit of an ego boost um, versus harmful coping skills? Like when should a parent be, be concerned?
2: Yeah, I think it depends on how old they are. I'm really big with teaching my clients when you're feeling upset and emotional, That's it's okay for you to feel that way. But being vulnerable online, there's a lot that comes with that. Mm-hmm. You might be humiliated in an hour that you shared that. People might come and make fun of you. People might say harmful things to you. You are getting attention from people for not something, um, positive. And so I really work with a lot of my clients to learn to be vulnerable with themselves by journaling or talking to their parents or talking to a friend. And then once they're past that process, then if they want to share it on social media, I don't I mean, I don't like kids being on social media younger than 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge maturity development around 16 that happens for kids where they're like, no, I don't need to post that or that's silly. But younger than that, you're going to see those 12, 13 and 14 year olds really honing in on those those posts and and it's just not good for their mental health so i know i didn't answer your question like when where's the line it's really hard to tell with each of our kids because everyone is so different and their needs are different but Mm. i like to focus on getting their needs met offline Mm -hmm. and balance and security offline strong mental health growth and development and then they might have a presence online on the side, but it's not their
0: entire identity. Mm-hmm. And I had a word written down that I kept seeing on your account: victim fishing. Yeah, what is that?
2: So victim phishing is what we're talking about where you post that okay. you're crying or you send, like I have a lot of clients who send a snap to their group of friends of them crying, waiting for someone to say, what's wrong? Mm. So it's just fishing for
0: someone
2: to feel sorry for you.
0: Right. And like, I mean, you have four kids, God bless, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if we're talking about building healthy coping strategies, at a young age. So if at a young age they develop unhealthy strategies and that can stay with them for a long time, I'm going to assume that if we help develop healthy coping strategies, that's also going to stay with them for a long time in a positive way. So how do you do that in your family? And I am really curious about this because my oldest daughter, she really struggles with certain things, like if she'll get in trouble for school. So Five months ago, she told a kid at lunchtime, well, he was already putting string beans in his water bottle and she was Uh like, oh my gosh, put more string beans in your water bottle. And they're sitting there putting string beans in his water bottle and laughing about it. And then the teacher was like, (laughs) you know, Lucy and -and so-and-so, this is not something you're supposed to be doing with your lunch food. You're supposed to be eating it. Mm -hmm. And that slight talking to, that reminder of proper behavior sent Lucy in a spiral Uh, because she was, she got in trouble in her mind. And even today, this is five months later, she brings it up at least once a week. Even today, she goes, mommy, I did, I did that on purpose. It wasn't an accident. I told him to put those string beans in his water bottle on purpose, but I know it was a mistake. And I was like, yeah, honey, but it's okay. We make mistakes and I still love you. I used to make mistakes and that's how we learn. And that's how we grow. Yeah. But aside from that, and kind of like affirming that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to get sad, to get angry. Like What what can I do? Because I have a very emotional little girl. I love that she opens up to you about (laughs) that. That is the sweetest (laughs) little thing. She's
2: really feeling that guilt. So one thing that's really helpful as a parent, no matter how old they are, is to just validate the emotion that you hear them either trying to express, or maybe they're throwing a tantrum. And you can Validate the emotion happening behind the behavior, which sometimes can be really hard, especially if they're throwing a tantrum, you know, you want to be like, get up, stop it. But really, it's more effective and helpful to be like, you're very frustrated right now. I can see that I can feel that. And that helps them kind of recognize their own emotion. And then they recognize, oh, I need to self-regulate now, obviously, or that's not their process of thinking, but that is the practice that you're going to be building up to as they get older is recognizing the emotion. And then, oh, that means we need to self-regulate. So self-regulation obviously looks different for each human being. But what I like to do, and I've done this with each of my kids, is making a list of what are some things that are fun for you and what are some things that are relaxing for you. And I have my clients and my kids make a list of three to five things that are fun to do and three to five things that are relaxing. And those are actually coping skills. So when you're upset, you kind of go back to those lists and say okay i i think i want to go jump on the trampoline and get some energy out Mm -hmm. you know or i'm gonna go sit in the corner in my reading nook and read a book so fun and relaxing and then the last list i like clients to make is um what's okay to do that can be releasing when you are upset you know can you punch a pillow scream in the pillow throw a pillow Do you need to hug mommy really, really, really tight? You know, things like that is really good to come up with. And then you simply remind her of those options when she's upset. So you validate the emotion and then you remind to cope with one of those options. And as they grow and get older, those options change a little bit. But a lot of times they stay the same and you can see them naturally going, okay, I've had a long day like I my 11 year old, he'll be like, mom, I'm my social batteries done. I'm sick of people right now. I'm going to go to my room, listen to music and draw. And I'm like, go. Good job. I'd like have at it, you know? So the older they get, the more in tune they get with their emotional deregulation
0: and they're able to regulate it. And now as a parent, if you, and I'm thinking about the You know, the suicide that I mentioned in our community last week. And it's not the first I've heard like this. Uh, Unfortunately, there's been a few, and everybody's in total, utter shock. Right. Because this was such a promising young person. This was a beloved young person, somebody who had so much life and enthusiasm and passion. How could this happen? really then, confusing yeah and i think as a parent like that's one of my oh my god that's one of my greatest fears obviously yeah. right and to not be able to help but a lot of times it is beyond us but how can we i mean if our kid isn't presenting any symptoms of being depressed or feeling suicidal how can we know I, I don't even know how to ask that because I, well, no,
2: I know exactly what you're asking because that's what was happening here. When we had our suicide cluster cluster, we lost six female teenagers between ages of 14 to 17 within a year and And every single one of them, the parents were like, we had no idea. Like they have tons of friends, they're active in school, they're getting decent grades. We had no idea. And, you know, one of them was like the star cheerleader. Another one, it, it was like. Oh my gosh, what is this? Is this it? Is this the apocalypse? Like what is going mm-hmm. on? Um, and so the answer to that is well, the scary answer is there are no obvious signs anymore. So back when we were in school, which I have no idea how old you are, but I'm assuming I'm 34. We're near- I'll be
0: 34 soon. Yeah.
2: Okay, I'm 36. So yeah. we're close. So when we were in school, there were those kids that were obvious, right? Like they were dressing really dark clothing. They liked to like sit in the corner and look sad. Like it was ob Maybe they didn't like it, but th- it was obvious the ones that were suffering. Um, and today the scary part is it's it's not as obvious, but I will tell you this. We are raising our kids in a world where everything, and this is the biggest thing that I want parents to hear. This is like the number one part of my research that I think is crucial. Our kids are growing up in a world where everything is instant. So starting at a young age, they are used to and expecting immediate gratification, whether that's fast forwarding commercials, whether that's not having to wait for you know, the food to come because they have a screen in front of their face, whatever that is. So if they get those immediate gratifications, that means that they're not truly learning to listen to their emotions and learning how to regulate and cope, which means they're lacking resilience. So then when they hit those hormonal years that are filled with pressure and overexposure on social media and conflict, they want an immediate fix. And there's no immediate fix, as you know, for emotional distress. There's just not, not even therapy or medication is immediate. So, when suicide or self harm is something that is happening in our world and they don't have any coping skills that they've built up and they're overwhelmed with life, that's kind of where they go.
0: Yeah. And when I, I hear about, you know, situations where it's um, like a cluster of it happening mm-hmm. too. I wonder if they see each other doing it and they're like, okay, this is a viable way yeah, out. This is an option. Yeah. They don't want to feel anymore. And mm-hmm. and I get that.
2: I remember being a teenager. Yeah. There's times as an adult where I'm like, oh, I don't want to do today. Yeah. I just don't yeah. like wake me up tomorrow or in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, those are natural w- hardships of life. Those are typical. They're expected, but our kids are not equipped to handle those when they feel those really intense emotions in today's world with everything being instant.
0: My God, Tessa. I know it's it's, really scary. It's really heavy. It's a lot. It is. But you know, I I am happy to talk about it because it is something that I've been noticing more and more, especially in the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. Uh, just students being withdrawn and less social. Yeah. And that alone is scary because then, you know, I, I heard one one young person talking about, and I think this person was about seventeen, and they were saying how they went and were like from Toronto, we're from Canada, and they went over to I don't know somewhere upstate New York to hang out with gamer friends, and these were all people in their twenties and thirties and forties. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm like just exploding, but people find you know, you can find anybody online. They're finding these communities online that maybe hold fringe values. Mm -hmm. And it seems like it can be incredibly dangerous if, you know, a kid is isolating and turning into an online world. Yeah. Do you see that a lot?
2: Oh, all the time. All the time. Starting nine years old. (laughs) Eight years old. Yeah. And I don't like it. That's why, so I don't like, when they're eight, nine years old, I don't like for kids to be on screens or playing video games when there's a mo- an, an opportunity to be social. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll go out to eat with a bunch of friends. We'll go to places that are like outdoor, you can play and stuff. And you'll look around and you see the kids with their Nintendo switches and their iPads. And then you see the other half of kids playing and doing things. That would be a huge no-no mm-hmm. in my book of, you don't bring the screens to those opportunities for your kids to socialize because they will totally recluse into the online world and you know discord is a really common platform yeah. for that i hear about that all the time all the time so discord used to be just for gamers it right. was a gaming platform for them to chat now it's i mean anyone can it's get like on it or now
0: too isn't it
2: all of my male teenage clients were exposed to porn for the first time through Discord. Right. It's basically remember AOL instant mm-hmm. messenger? Remember how you could get on into chat rooms like and anyone could be there? Like that's what Discord is. Like anyone oh. can join a server. And so these kids, they can make it to where there are settings that they can make it towards private just with their friends, but their friends could invite their cousin that lives in San Francisco, who is friends with this guy in England, you know, or Mm. I mean, there's always the catfishing situation too, where people are acting like they're 13 when really they're 60. And so there's a lot of danger with the online community. And, and I don't want to sit here and say that it's all bad because, you know, you and I met online, right? Yeah. Yeah can meet other people who are worth meeting online, but we are adults who have our prefrontal cortex fully developed. We can pick up on the scams. We can pick up on the inappropriate stuff. If a guy is DMing me stuff, like it's, I pick up on those red flags really quick because we have had years and years and years of practice for that. You know, like the MySpace days was like, For me, like, okay, this is like real. Anyone could get a hold of me. And there were so many moments where I had to learn, okay, that's a scam or that's a pervert or whatever. But our kids who are 10 on Discord, they don't know. They don't know, you know, or they could get something that's like, hey, I'll give you $5,000 if you did da da, da 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 and then they do it, and then it turns into a big thing. So I, yeah, I'm not a fan of them making their friends only online it mm-hmm. creates a lot of social anxiety and can snowball into a really dangerous situation really fast
0: and i mean talking about anxiety parenting in this kind of world because we want to give our kids the best chance they have at developing all these skills and yeah. being the best and the happiest people that they can be and i think happiness is more important than anything else when you're raising a kid in raising an adult. And I mean, it creates so much anxiety for parents. And like parenting already feels impossible in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. So how can parents, I think, healthfully deal with this? Because in a lot of ways, you're going to have parents getting – and I mean, I talk to moms all the time. And moms are feeling these feelings too. They're feeling the feelings of inadequacy and guilt and depression and everything – Yes. And how can we help ourselves while we help our kids through this? Yeah.
2: So I'm really big on really understanding what you need personally to practice true self-care. And I almost hate saying the word self-care because I think it's such a buzzword and people Mm -hmm. are like, but I won't get into that. Um. So, I call it emotional hygiene. So, figuring out what you need and practicing it on a routine basis, not waiting until you have a bad day, Mm -hmm. not waiting until, you know, everything crumbles. Then you take care of yourself. No, taking care of yourself, your physical needs, your social needs, your emotional needs, and your spiritual needs so that you are emotionally strong regularly. And then when, stuff crumbles, you've got that strength build up to get through it a little bit quicker. So I call this, so I have the emotional hygiene practice and it breaks down those four pillars of self-care. But then I also have an exercise called emotional hurricanes, where we understand exactly what you need to feel like the best version of yourself more often, understanding what are your triggers? What are the things that get you going? Like even something simple, like your son slamming the door might like really get you going. Mm -hmm. So understanding that and then weathering the storm, getting through that hurricane with all that strength you've built up and the understanding and the acceptance that today's a bad day, right? Because that happens. I think a lot of times people are like, why am I unhappy? Or why is today a bad day? It's like, it doesn't matter. Like it's a bad day because life is hard. Sometimes it's inevitable. So truly accepting that part of it and then working through the anxiety or the discomfort through coping skills that either are on your self-care list also, or they help distract in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so as a parent, Practicing that on a regular basis is crucial so that not only can you model that for your kids, but you can
0: also teach them how to get through those anxious moments. All right, Tessa, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by True Earth. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that Shane and I have been in a process of reducing our environmental footprints
1: process? Yeah, you could call it that.
0: One way that we're doing this is by eliminating single use plastics in our household. Because with two kids and two of us, and we're chaotic people as it is, I mean, that's a lot of garbage. And especially like, start small. All right. Take a note from our book. Start with your laundry jugs. All right. So this is just... Plastic that you're bringing home week by week, whether it's fabric softener, laundry detergent, household cleaners, and it's just plastic that it is building up in your laundry room.
1: No plastic jugs allowed. So
0: we... Got rid of all of our jugs after using them, of course. And then we switched over to True Earth Strips. So this detergent comes in these pre-measured soluble strips. And you simply rip them apart, toss them in your sheen. They're like super concentrated strips of like a papery material, but they totally dissolve. And it is so cool. It is so easy. And the best part is that there's no plastic, not in the product itself or in the packaging.
1: Do you know what I like about the strips? What? How thin there?
0: Yeah, we have like three years worth of laundry detergent. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say that, and it takes up about what like four inches on our laundry room shelf. Mm-hmm. It really is amazing. Uh, and as a family who have kids with really sensitive skin, we usually go with the, for the kids uh, with the baby detergent because it's fragrance free, it's gentle on everybody's skin, and it's still so tough on dirt. Clothes come out smelling great and crispy clean. Shane and I, I like to buy. I like to say Shane likes to buy, but I like to buy the Lilac Breeze. I think it just smells so nice. And it's very faint. It's really perfect. But check out True Earth Detergent at True.Earth and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 to get 10% off your order. You're going to love this product. Take my word for it. Again, that is True.Earth and ThisFamilyTree10. And now let's get back to the interview. It's funny because so – this week, I've been talking a lot about having it all, what it means to have it all. Is it possible? Is balance possible? Does it exist? How can we possibly? Did you take- just
2: read my journal
0: entry <laughs> together? <the> <laughs> <thing? laughs> but it's like, it's a never ending discussion. And it almost feels so like I was saying today, it feels like a pendulum because if you asked me two days ago, I would have said, Yeah, I think I do have it all. Like my standards are realistic for having it all. And I think I do feel that. But then yesterday, I got hit by a bout of PMDD, so like really intense feelings about everything. And it's and it's awful and I'm still kind of going through that today sure, because yeah. I'm trying to be rational and remind myself, "No, like you've got it really good. You know, you're okay. You're doing great." But it is hard and it's hard to prioritize ourselves. It's hard to prioritize that hygiene right that self-care hygiene however you word it because life just gets so busy and so often we're trying to prioritize our kids and their needs that we neglect ourselves Mm -hmm. and that alone is so difficult and i hate to say but it's like only we can change that only we can ask for more help delegate to our partners more you Mm -hmm. know change systems but that's a huge ask It's huge. It's like it's it's almost insurmountable
2: sometimes. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it so honestly, it seems insurmountable a lot of the time too. But I want to ask when you have parents that come in and they're like, hey, you know, I need help with my kid, my teenager, whatever. What are some of the biggest challenges that you see parents facing?
2: Their kids aren't sleeping well, and their kids are struggling with anxiety their kids are isolating too much and not opening up to them or uh, right now a big topic is sexuality so there's a lot of talk about sexuality starting really young like at nine nine or ten like, so what, what do you
0: mean sexuality like like, like that they, they're trying to have and confusion
2: mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. and every single one of them and again you know i don't want to dive too deep into this but every single one of them has been on youtube or tiktok for years you know what i mean like they're being exposed to adult content too young Mm -hmm. and it it makes them think i mean when i was 10 years old i was still playing with barbies like trying not to play with barbies as much but i was still (laughs) playing with barbies you know and like i had interest in boys but like number one was My Little Pony, Barbies, and like, what movie are we watching on Friday night? You know? Well, these 10-year-olds are dealing with really big life issues that they are seeing, you know, like suicide, self-harming, sexuality questioning, and they're just too young to be getting into that, those adult topics. You know, their brains
0: cannot
2: handle it and their little hearts cannot handle it it's too much
0: well i think a big part of that too is the context in which they're taking in that information and consuming it it's not in an educational setting with somebody who is qualified to speak on that like it's not in a school um, with controlled curriculum you know what i mean it's just random joe blow on tiktok
2: Anyone contributing. Yeah. And, you know, I have clients that come in and they say, well, I have this now. And I'm like, tell me, what do you mean you have this, you know, a disorder? And they're like, well, I saw TikTok and it said that these are the five signs of it. So, and I checked off every single one of them. So I have it. And I'm like, oh.
0: well, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like horoscopes when You read a horoscope, right? So I'm a Pisces. I can read a Pisces horoscope and I could be Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, all of these things. But then I'll read my husband's horoscope and I'll be like, no, all of these things too. And literally I can find – and people seek things out, especially if it's something positive. You seek that out a little bit and you're like, oh yeah, that kind of does apply to me. I have been you know, making powerful decisions this month or whatever. (laughs) And I see that sometimes on – these, like, self-diagnosis things online. Because yeah. so my husband, he he has been into that kind of stuff on TikTok uh-huh. lately because he truly likely does have an undiagnosed something, whether he's on the spectrum or yeah. has ADHD. He has something. Yeah. And it's, like, obvious to him and me. And I think several people in his family have something. Yeah. Uh, all love. But I'll be looking at these things, too. And I'm like, yeah, but... I kind of identify with these things too. And I don't think I have anything. And he's like, yeah, I had
2: had like a true identity crisis when I was going through grad school because you have to study the whole DSM, which is, you know, this thick of all the diagnoses out there. And there were so many of them that I'd be like, am I schizophrenic? Like, oh my (laughs) God. Like I relate with all of these, you know, and like this or that, like constantly it's, it's our human nature to find relatability with the things that we consume. And so that is natural and that can be okay when you're old enough to seek, you know, a second opinion from a professional or really have insightful conversations with other adults, right? Like you and your husband are having these conversations about it. Like, could it be? I don't know. Let's look at it this way and look at it that way, different perspectives. But when you're, you know, 11, you don't do that. Or you go to another 11-year-old and they're like, yeah, me too. <laughs>
0: you know? and I really just, trust 11-year-olds.
2: <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's just not a good setup for our kids. It just is not. And I hope, I don't have a lot of hope, but I hope someday the tech companies will pick up on that. Um, I don't have a lot of hope for them. I do have a lot of hope for younger generations though because more parents are getting on board with this way of thinking and seeing these harms and also uh, so many teenagers and college students are like oh heck no am i gonna let my kid be on youtube at three years old oh heck no am i gonna give my kid a phone when they're in high school no way so i do have hope for our society i don't think tech is going to help with that um or big tech companies Um, But I I do have hope that things are going to turn around. And they are. They're slowly turning around now.
0: Well, I like that. And I like ending on a hopeful note because it has been heavy. And this conversation is heavy. And there's no getting away from that because there is so much of that. But I like feeling hope. And I like the thought of you know when my kids are older, when your kids are older, when the listeners, their kids are older, we're all kind of saying, well, let's move back from technology from cell phones from comparing ourselves to other people on social media because then it won't be so weird for our kids and they won't feel left out and right it'll just become more normalized so the i norm. yeah. yeah and i love i love being there and i love having that thought for the future because so much and you know my thoughts it gets very apocalyptic so i yeah. really like that take um but tessa I want to thank you so much for being here today. And where can listeners go? Because obviously you are just like a wealth of information. And it's been so wonderful to sit with you and to listen because honestly, it's just great. I want to invite you back anytime, honestly. Oh, I would love to. It's so funny when you emailed me about the topics you wanted me to
2: discuss. I'm like, I will discuss every single one of those. (laughs) I had a feeling that we would hone in on just one. So anytime you want me back, Mm -hmm. I would be. Happy to because I love talking about mom life and anxiety and how to find some balance in our life. Yeah. And I really love doing that.
0: And honestly, I, I love that you had so much, even just on the few that we hit today, because they're huge topics, right? Yeah. And bring boiling them down to even 40 minutes, which is still a good amount of time, that is yeah. so inconsequential. But truly, thank you so much for sharing everything with me today. And where can listeners go to follow you anywhere
2: online? So um, you can always go to my website, Tessa Stuckey with an EY.com. You can follow me on Instagram at The Mom Therapist. I have a podcast that is just a biweekly episodes called For the Sake of Our Youth. And that's actually the title of my book as well, For the Sake of Our Youth, that you can find on Amazon or Barnes &
0: Noble that's amazing thank you so much honestly and uh all the power to you with those four kids yeah. thank you, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> see you tessa have a great weekend bye you too
1: good job good interview so thank what you. what is that one thing that you were saying
0: uh victim fishing what's that it is when a kid is self essentially, what you and I were doing in the top, self-diagnosing, but self-diagnosing is something that maybe doesn't make sense just because they're like inundated with it on TikTok and Instagram and things, and then they slip into um, like a depressive state or an isolationist state mm-hmm. because they think, oh, you know, I'm depressed or suicidal, and a lot of teens might be, and very well, maybe, and it's important to take seriously. But they're kind of looking for community in that.
1: Got you. Well, right now, we're looking for community from the mailbag segment. Well, we've already found community, I guess. Now we're just
0: answering answering
1: questions that the community wants answered.
0: So community questions. For the first one we have, do you have any tips or tricks for breastfeeding slash pumping? I have one month old twins and this is hard. No shit that sounds so hard. I can only imagine how hard it is. I breastfed only one kid at a time and it was so hard. And the best thing that I can tell you to do is to get a lactation consultant. I know the person that wrote this in, I know who they are and I know they live locally get a lactation consultant, you can get them and the city, the government will pay for them where we live. It's amazing. If you live in Ontario, the government will send one in. She'll take you around your house. She'll show you, you know, you tell her where you usually nurse. She'll show you good holds for that place and she will have amazing, amazing tips for you. Don't waste any more time without that because that was like one of the biggest things to help me in my own journey. So I do that. And next up, we had, how old are you?
1: Who, who's asking this?
0: No, 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 just somebody.
1: That you don't know?
0: No, I don't know this person. How old are you? I'm about to be 34. When? March 20th.
1: Okay, happy early birthday.
0: Thanks, Shane. How old are you?
1: Barely 39.
0: Barely 39. When's
1: yeah. your 40th? My 40th is May 12th, and I share that date with my daughter. And I'm very proud of that fact.
0: It's the cutest thing going.
1: Yeah, it's cool. She she's, loves it she's too. She's going to be five. I'm going to be 40. Together, we are 45.
0: <laughs> your 45th <laughs> birthday.
1: Yeah. Cool. Landmark year. I want to have a good 40s.
0: I want you to have a good 40s. So whole-
1: I'm trying to get it all together for then.
0: Do you feel like this is like just a whole fresh decade, a whole fresh start? Because I already met, I met you a couple years in your 30s.
1: You did. 30s were good, yeah. 30s were better than the 20s. I'm hoping 40s can be the best.
0: I hear that they just get better. Like until you're too old to do anything, I heard that they just get better and better going on. I just want to
1: retire and read books. I would love to just read books.
0: (laughs) Shane's saying that to me with just like the most exhausted yet wistful look in his eye. And that does sound nice. Um, Books. (laughs) So the next question I've got just heard of the term benching in dating did you ever do this first of all have you heard that term before
1: yeah it's like can i lift your body weight
0: no no okay then no okay so it's when you essentially bench somebody like like the sports term so in a in a sporting thing if you're not a sporty person it's like they do
1: something bad on a date so you ice them for a few weeks
0: yeah. So again, to put it in lay people's terms, if they're not sports people, it's like if I have a team and I'm coaching and somebody does something wrong on the floor to like hurt our team, then you're going to sit them on the bench until the end of the game because you don't want them getting out there and ruining things.
1: So the lay people's term is still a sports <laughs> analogy?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but just more uh, simple. Why don't it? you just
1: say what it is?
0: Okay, so it's essentially you're dating somebody. They do something that upsets you or that you don't like. So then you just kind of, you know, maybe stop calling as much. Stop making plans. Stop taking them out. Don't do flirty texts. No good nights, whatever. And you, as Shane said, kind of ice them out over time. But it's interesting because I was looking it up and like people have – you know, benching stories, they'll be like, we were about to move in together. And then out of nowhere, this person is barely talking to me, not letting me come out with their friends, whatever. And it like, it sucks. And it's a terrible way to communicate with people. I'm sure I've done this in degrees, but I don't necessarily think it's like nefarious. Like I don't necessarily think that it's a terrible thing because it could be you just getting space from somebody will you try to figure out if the thing they did you really bothered you how much it turned you off if it's worth getting with them and you just kind of want to keep your communications with them minimal while you figure that out i don't inherently think it's bad but obviously you have to communicate better than that you can't just like bench or ghost or whatever what do you think
1: today you told me you were going to pull the plug on our trip which I don't know how you would interpret that if I said that to you. <laughs> but that term, what it means is. Kill. Kill. Where It's not going to happen. So you told me, hey, Shane, I'm, I'm calling you because I'm just about to pull the plug on the trip.
0: <laughs> but you
1: meant I'm going to do this. Right? That's what you meant. You didn't mean I'm killing the trip.
0: No, I meant I was about to book our airplane ticket.
1: Yeah, that's not pulling the plug. Well,
0: pull the plug on the killing that the OK button.
1: Yeah, that's like launch it. I'm, I'm about to... Uh, there's an expression that's the All opposite. All
0: systems go.
1: I'm going to... Uh, hit that button. Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah, something like that. But you said pull the plug, and I was confused for a second. So, yeah, don't bench people.
0: Have you been ever benched... Been benched?
1: I don't know. Probably. But they just... You never see them again.
0: Yeah. See, I think everybody gets benched to some degree. And I I... I Don't even think you can answer. I think there's nuance. And I think some people do it better than others. And just, you know, don't be a crappy person. If it's really taking a toll on the other person, talk to them about it. Next question. Who is your first celebrity crush and who is your celebrity crush today? I was thinking about the case. So first celebrity crush was probably either Enrique Iglesias or Ricky Martin. I got into them at the same time. They were like my first. I named my fish after them. Really into them. And then today, still, I still like Enrique.
1: Yeah, uh, probably Natalie Portman, Jessica Alba. Yeah, around. Yeah, one of those. Probably Natalie Portman because she was in the Leon the Professional.
0: Oh right, right. Um. And what about today?
1: Don't look at me like I'm some weirdo. I was a little (laughs) kid. I'm Natalie saying me so as young. a little me as a little kid. She's a year older than me. Okay, so no, that was no, like no, some, makes sense. Hmm? <laughs> you saw Leon the professor because you were like not even born yet when I was 11 or whatever.
0: <laughs> um, and what about today?
1: Do I still like Jessica Alba? I'm not as into Portman, but Alba. I mean,
0: she's amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Alba. I could definitely, whew, you know.
0: Shane, I'm about to pull the plug What on this conversation. Uh,
1: <laughs> imagine Elba pulled my plug.
0: I'm. You are going to get I it. I mean,
1: help me with my hernia surgery.
0: <laughs> you are going to get it.
1: Like pop my belly button back in. Oh well, you, no, that'd be pushing her, the plug.
0: You'd let her touch your belly button over me.
1: I'm not talking about my toja as uh, a... <laughs> What's his, Harry would say? <laughs>
0: that's, that's what Harry, um, Prince Harry, calls Sorry. his penis. Well, I wanted to make a difference, so they didn't think it was like Harry Styles. He could
1: call his penis Prince Harry, too.
0: He could, but he calls his Prince Harry a todger in his uh, book, Todger. Do you think
1: William calls his penis Prince Willie? <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, we are uh, like prepubescent Kids at times, Shane. I feel like if we did like a really serious breath work class looking into each other's eyes, it could go wrong.
1: Yeah. You know, big kids.
0: Um. Okay. The next question. Taja. <laughs>
1: Taja is the best word.
0: It is the best word. Gwyneth Paltrow has said that kids ruin relationships. What are your thoughts on what she said? Okay. So the context here is that she was talking to Katy Perry on a podcast. And they were talking about kids. Kate Perry has like a two-year-old with Orlando Bloom. And Gwen said that kids ruin relationships. It's hard on relationships. I've looked back now on data sets of parents with young kids, and they do that. So basically, children are hard. I don't think that's any surprise. Mm -hmm. They are hard on relationships. They are hard on you personally. They're hard on your finances, your finances exhaustion levels your the time that you have to spend with your partner doing things that you guys like to do and you know reassuring each other and building up your relationship kids take away from all of that especially in the first couple of years because not only do you have like little humans now to stop from dying and to like help thrive but mm-hmm. you're kind of going through a a shift because you're going from like a person who really only had to worry about other adults or whatever typically um to now
1: I'm going think, through a shift?
0: I think a, a lot of people go through a shift when they have mm. kids, right? Because yeah. it's like okay, so this is my purpose now essentially in a lot of ways and you just you have to prioritize, right?
1: Yeah, it depends how resilient you are and patient. Mm-hmm. That depends like it can it can ruin a relationship if you don't go through it, but You know, every day Lucy tells me when she wants to go to school that she doesn't want to do that because, you know, at times school isn't fun. And I just say, don't think of the process, think of the outcome, like what Mm -hmm. you get from it. Think of what you get from doing hard things. I don't want to go to the gym, but I like the results. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I don't want to go to work, but I like, you know, the benefits of it. So, Of social media anything Mm -hmm. you you know what it's like doing social media that's so hard to do it a lot of people may not realize that but it is such a never-ending grind you're on it all the time but you would never stop because it is so rewarding in a way and what it creates is great and with kids there's a lot of annoying stressful things that you have to go through and at times you're just like does this ever end but there's so much benefit that comes from it too so I think when people say that, it's people are usually talking about a relationship that didn't work out. So anecdotally, it didn't work out for them. So therefore, it ruins relationships because I, maybe it ruined Gwen's relationship because her and Chris Martin, maybe that's what came between them. But I think people who have been together for a long time had a period of time that the longer you're together, the briefer that period seems yeah. where it's just hell. But once you get through you go, hey, you know, we're stronger for it. We're better. Or, oh, well, wasn't that funny? Oh, weren't those the best <laughs> days of our lives? And that's, you know, looking in the rearview mirror type of thing. Gwen looks back and just sees how her and her relationship, yeah. it, the kids maybe might have ruined it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And I think to quantify it like that, you know, because kids do, there's a whole show in Canada. It's really funny. Kids ruin it. Children ruin everything. And it's the entire series starts out like that. Like they actually do real polls with couples that have kids and couples that don't have kids to try to quantify happiness. And in a lot of ways, the child-free couples were happier, but then the couples with kids had this intangible kind of happiness and joy that you couldn't really quantify, but it was there and it was it's. I was thinking about that, like having kids, Mm -hmm. like there's so much joy in my day, even if it's chaotic and stressful. And it's just that intangible thing. And maybe it'll just be like a one moment of a kid saying something or of, you know, just sitting back and admiring or laughing together or feeling the love, whatever it is.
1: Well, I think it's a feeling of fulfillment. Yeah. And that's like, I might be, I don't know, short term happier, but not as fulfilled. I might... My depressive state might come in my 50s if I didn't have kids. Or I'd mm-hmm. feel like, what is all this for, you know? Mm-hmm. It, children can provide meaning and fulfillment. Not to say if you don't have kids, you're not going to have those things. But I would think people who have children do not regret having them. Yeah. On, on, for the most part.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, and,
1: and if I'm saying, obviously, no one would ever admit even if they did regret. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if they were being truly honest to themselves... Maybe the percentage would be very low of people saying that they regret it.
0: Yeah. It's like maybe unless your child is like a little Chucky axe murderer type thing. That might play into regretting. But otherwise. Yeah, that's what
1: I mean. Very few people <laughs> turn into like their child Chucky. turns into Chucky. <laughs>
0: um. Okay. Our next question. Shane. Mm. This one's for you. Because I've been talking recently a lot about having it all and if it's possible for parents to have it all what that feels like whatever and listeners want to know if you as a working dad you feel like you have it all
1: yeah and that there's fear in having it all anytime you have something you have something to lose so that can be scary you never want to stop a good thing like you know when i'm when i was having a sleepover I'd stay up the latest because I never wanted the night to end and that then I'd be sad when the night when everyone was asleep so it's crazy when you have a lot you have a lot to lose and things change and nothing lasts forever so you're you know you're bound to get hurt Mm -hmm. so it's scary
0: and why why do you think that you have it all like what do you think are the biggest factors in you having it all
1: just we're so lucky where we live we're in Canada uh we're relatively comfortable um having a family being happy in a relationship having children having i'm air quoting job stability but nothing is stable as we learned from the pandemic anything can happen at any time to fuck you up but yeah i would say for now that that's what's going on and you know i'm sure i'm going to experience job loss in the next five years and have a moment where i feel like I want to get back to having it all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's tricky. Even thinking about those things is kind of scary and, I don't know, brings Mm -hmm. a crappy feeling over having it all because that feeling, what I found is it's like, it's transient. Like it's always evolving and it's always shifting. Like last week, I felt like I had nothing, but no, I still had the same amount I did the week before when I felt like I had it all, you know, and I'm back to feeling that again now. So it's tricky, it's tricky. But for me, and what I was saying a lot is that it all comes down to just managing your expectations and support. And I like even saying like, look, look where we live. We live in Canada. Like we have so much good here. And that's true. Um, And where you live is solely based on luck. You were just that lucky sperm to be born in this place, wherever that is, you know, or unlucky, whatever. Um, But our next question Do you think that partners should know more about your cycle to be more understanding? Uh, I think this would be an amazing thing. And I was looking this up and there's actually an app. Okay, so it's a cycle tracking app. It's called Cycles Period Tracker. First off. What?
1: I ask you all the time what your cycle is and you say, I don't know.
0: Well, let me get to my spiel here, Shane. I just wanted
1: to cut in before you (laughs) be like, well, download the app, Shane, when you don't even know.
0: (laughs) So they have a feature called partner connect and like we're not affiliated. I was just looking this up tonight to see if there was like a partner thing for cycles. And as I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh man, as Shane said, I don't know anything about where my cycle is. The only time I ever really kept track was when we were trying to get pregnant with Betty Mm -hmm. and, and that was it, um, so i like have no idea and that's why i think even the pmd the possible pmdd hits me so hard cuz i'm just going about my merry way and then i just you know go into the black hole of depression out of seemingly nowhere so i think it is so good for women first of all to know our cycles so that we can not plan around it but at least have an understanding of why we're feeling certain things at certain times it'll help us manage our emotions, and then heck yes, I think it would be amazing if our partners also knew about our cycles because then you know they know when we need a little extra support. Personally, when I need a little extra coddling, I'm somebody who very much likes to be coddled when I'm feeling crappy, um, things like that. But I and I would it not be beneficial to you? Like, I so ask you all
1: the time, I've tried to get you to mark things on calendars, everything i I'm way more curious about your cycle than you've ever been.
0: Download the app.
1: You download it. You
0: download it.
1: I'm not downloading the app. My phone's running out of space. (laughs) Same. Okay.
0: All right. But Shane, let's cut it there for the week. Folks, get into our reviews. Leave us a five-star comment, a five-star review and a comment. Whether the comment's nice or not, we don't care. We just want something to read, but we do hope it's nice. And uh, we hope that you have a great rest of your week and thank you so much for listening to this This family tree Tree Podcast. podcast episode 161